just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Tuesday. And boy, howdy, did we have an eventful day yesterday with the January 6th hearing. We'll be talking about that, of course. The vast majority of the show will be discussing that. We have a few other areas we're going to get into, but that obviously was an important activity yesterday, and it's going to have a lot of impact in the next six to eight months. I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Tony Michaels. He, of course, from the Tony Michaels podcast. Second time he's been on the show, and I really enjoy talking to him. He knows his stuff. He talks a lot, (laughs) and he swears a lot. Somehow I felt very comfortable with him. I think we have some similarities, except he's much younger than I am. Anyway, thanks to Tony Michaels for joining me on the Rational Boomer podcast. Be sure to check out his podcast. It's always interesting and entertaining. He does it middays, and he does it live, which I commend him for. I don't know if I have the energy to do such a thing, but down the road, who knows? Maybe I'll try that. Of course, if you can't listen at noon, it's recorded, and you can download it later. But I would suggest you give a listen to Tony Michaels. Later today, I'll be doing a podcast with Ed, and this is very opportune. Ed and I wanted to get together and talk after the January 6th hearing, because I know Ed will have some interesting insights and points of view. So that podcast will be coming up, and of course, tomorrow we'll be back to a normal podcast like we're doing here now. Of course, we before we get underway, we're going to look at some emails. First one comes from a gentleman by the name of Bo. He says, good day, Mike. I hope you're well today. Wishing you and your family a wonderful Christmas. Hugs to your little grandchildren from my family to yours. Always grateful for your daily podcast. Some good laughs and insight this year. Well, thank you very much, Bo. He goes on to say, I have to give you shit, JKLOL. The crazy conservatives here in Canada are taking notes from the shit show going on down south. Alberta is aligning itself with Florida and Texas. The Sovereignty Act is a complete fucking joke. Up here in Canada, I'm hoping U.S. figures its shit out. Hearing about different QAnon attacks around the globe now. Germany and down in South America, attacks on infrastructure in the States. I had a good laugh today on the podcast with Donald's NFT cards being stolen images, LOL. The fact that QAnon believers feel he's the Christ reborn is baffling. Excited for tomorrow's January 6th hearing. Looking forward to your podcast tomorrow and insights. So he wrote this uh, the day before the, uh, the hearings. He goes on, he says, with immense thankfulness, Bo. Well, Bo, Merry Christmas to you and your family. I thank you for the kind words. I thank you for continuing to listen to the Rational Boomer podcast. And I hope some of the stuff that's happening here in the States 
isn't going to bleed over into Canada. But inevitably, you will get some of it too. This isn't an issue of difference in countries. It's just that every country has some fucking dummies in it. And unfortunately, Canada has its share. You're a smaller country in terms of population, but um, (laughs) you probably have a proportional amount of idiots in your country as well. Hopefully it won't get out of hand like we've seen here in the United States of America. It's Gone to the edge with them trying to overturn elections and overthrow the government. Let's hope it doesn't go that far in Canada. I got another quick email from a gentleman by the name of James. He says, hey, Mike, I figured you'd like a good laugh. LOL, James. He sent me a statement that apparently Donald Trump made after the J6 hearing. It says, Statement on January 6th Committee Referral. He goes on to say, These folks don't get it that when they come after me, people who love freedom rally around me. It strengthens me. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Americans know that I pushed 20,000 troops to prevent violence on January 6th and that I went on television and told everybody to go home. (laughs) Well, Donnie, it's kind of interesting. I noted something today after the January 6th hearing. He gets referred to the DOJ criminally. And what do you hear from the Republicans? All these people that supposedly support him. You don't hear a fucking word. Nobody's saying anything. I mean, Mike Pence is kind of whining and being wishy-washy and all this stuff. He's still trying to figure out a way that he can run for president in 2024. Let's be perfectly honest. Mike Pence has zero chance of winning a primary, let alone winning the presidency. I mean, half of the Republicans think he's a traitor. So if he's lucky, he'll get the other half voting for him, but that won't be enough. And of course, the Democrats aren't going to vote for that stupid fuck. So, Mike, you have no chance. I don't know why you continue to suck up to Donald Trump in spite of the fact that he sent a marauding horde to come in and hang you. Apparently, you don't take offense to that. But I bet your mother, your wife, is probably a little tougher than you, and she might have something more to say. But, of course, she we won't hear that because you're an old-school religious guy and, and your wife is, her place is in the kitchen barefoot washing dishes or making dinner, right? Fuck you, Mike Pence. Just get out of the way. You, you got no more places to go. You'd be lucky to go back to Indiana and get elected to anything. The idea that you might run for something on a federal level That's just fucking ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Now, I got this letter from Roy, and I got a few of these, and it kind of annoyed me. And I mean that in only the best way, Roy. I love Roy. He's been on the show. His wife's been on the show. He writes a lot. He says, after the J6 committee, he says, very disappointing other people were not named kind of a waste of time knowing that Trump would be referred. Hopefully Jack Smith does his job. Now we went back and forth after that and he came to some realizations. I'm not going to go into all the uh, emails. But a lot of people were disturbed about the way 
the January 6th hearing went. Of course, we know what happened. The referrals were made. And the referrals um, were for Donald Trump, John Eastman, the lawyer who was basically the architect of Mike Pence's effort to not certify the election, which didn't happen. And then they said others. And that's what disturbs a lot of people. They didn't specifically name sitting members of Congress, Rudy Giuliani, Jenny Thomas, Roger Stone. They didn't name them, and that disturbs them. And the fact of the matter is you shouldn't be so upset about that. I mean, the January 6th committee doesn't have that much power, certainly no legal power. They were there to dig out the evidence, do the depositions. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. They deposed 1,200 people. They have hundreds of thousands of documents, text messages, emails, videotape of depositions. They have all kinds of shit. And that is all going to come out and available to the public and the media and the DOJ and the Republicans. Everybody's going to see it. The fact that the J6 committee didn't mention those people by name isn't that surprising. They had a limited amount of time, and they were there to get the ball rolling and inform us, and that's exactly what they did. I thought the J6 hearing or meeting was uh, very effective. They did what they were intending to do. They, They now have to hand it off to the DOJ. Now, what you need to understand about the J6 committee is that they don't have a lot of power, as I said. The DOJ, on the other hand, has an immense amount of power, an immense amount of resources. And they are going to take what the J6 committee put together and couple it with the grand jury that they already have going in the J6 insurrection situation. They've already got a lot of evidence. You don't know about it because when it comes to a grand jury, everything is secretive. So we don't know what the January 6th, we we do know what the January 6th committee has, we will, but we won't know what the DOJ has. This is all just going to help the DOJ, and the bottom line is they're the ones that are going to do the indictments. They're the ones that are going to make the decisions. I'll give you an example of the difference in power. Now, during the hearing, they played a videotape, and it was a deposition of a gentleman by the name of Pat Cipollini. He was the attorney for the office of the presidency. Not Donald Trump's attorney, but the attorney for the office of the president. Now, they were asking him questions, as they do, and they said, uh, what was the basic feel of people in the White House during the insurrection? Did they want the insurrection to keep going? Did they want it to be violent? Did they want to keep the violence going? And he said, no, the staff didn't want that. They They didn't want that at all. Nobody wanted that. And then I think Jamie Raskin asked him, how about the president? Did the president want the insurrection to continue? Did he want the violence to continue? And it's weird. He didn't answer right away. Actually, he never answered. He looked at his lawyer. He was kind of dumbfounded. And then he said, well, 
I can't talk about those communications, which is absolute bullshit. Of course he can talk about it, but he chose not to. And the J6 committee had nothing, no leverage to compel him to speak out. Now, what you need to know is Pat Cipollone has already testified in front of the grand jury for the DOJ in the January 6th insurrection. He's already testified. Now, if he was asked that same question, and I'm sure he probably was in the grand jury, he doesn't have the option not to answer. If he chooses not to answer, then the judge will say, you must answer. Answer the fucking question. And if at that point he says, I'm still not going to answer the question, well, then that motherfucker goes to jail. And guess what? Pat Cipollone isn't in jail. The January 6th committee did exactly what they were supposed to do, and they did a hell of a job. They got a lot of evidence. You just don't realize how much it is until it's released. That shit is going to come out, and it's going to have a bigger impact on what's going on in this country than that meeting did. That meeting was pretty much setting up the main course, and the main course being the evidence. What's going to happen is that evidence is going to come out, be available. The media will pick up on it. People on the Internet will pick up on it. All of us will hear about it. And every time... uh, something comes out from that evidence, it's going to cause a stir. And it's going to be much harder for the Republicans because the evidence will be pretty compelling. You'll hear about a crime or some kind of corruption, and then you'll see the evidence to back it up. And then what do the Republicans say? It's interesting that nobody's kicking back about the hearing or the meeting that the J6 committee had. Nobody's protecting Donald Trump. Nobody's really fighting against this meeting. And the reason is they know the worst is yet to come. It's coming. And it's not like it's two months down the road or three months down the road. It's like this week. We're going to start seeing shit this week. And uh, it's going to cause some big problems. So anyway, the House January 6th committee unanimously voted Monday to refer four criminal charges against former President Donald Trump to the Department of Justice, likely adding to public pressure to prosecute Trump for his attempted coup. See, that's what that does. As I've said, the J6 committee has no legal powers. But by doing what they did yesterday, it does put pressure on the Department of Justice to indict. And then when the evidence comes out, that puts even more pressure on them. See, the thing is, if they had all this secret information and they decide not to indict, nobody would know why, because the evidence is secret. But now this evidence is out there. And if they decide not to prosecute, well, they're going to have to fucking explain it. And that's going to be hard to do. So this puts pressure on Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, and the Department of Justice. But let's be perfectly honest. Merrick Garland would have never hired Jack Smith unless there was an intent to indict somebody. Probably multiple indictments. Now, you're worried about the names not being mentioned in the January 6th hearing. I understand that on the surface. But ultimately, all those names will come out. 
in the evidence. And that's what's important. And that's what the Department of Justice will have. It's interesting when uh, they use the term as far as uh, referrals, criminal referrals to the DOJ. They said Donald Trump. They said John Eastman. And they said others. What do they mean by others? Well, there's a lot of others. They said a lot of these others weren't named because they didn't have the opportunity to, uh, to talk to them. And uh, as luck would have it, we know that there were four members of Congress that didn't comply with their subpoenas. Kevin McCarthy, Andy Biggs, Jim Jordan, and who was the other one? Mo Brooks or somebody like that. So those four people didn't comply with the subpoenas. All right. So they are likely to be in the category of others. The J6 committee doesn't have to say their names. They don't have to say their names. The evidence is there. The DOJ will look at the evidence and they will decide whether or not to indict. I've talked about this before. People are so impatient. They need immediate gratification. And Roy, I'm not giving you shit here. I'm just talking about people in general. I understand the frustration. I get frustrated too. Every day there's not an indictment. I want it now. But I also understand that there is a process to doing it, and it's absolutely crucial that it's done properly. Because if it's not, there's some of these fucks that are going to get away and there's going to be a lot of embarrassment for the Department of Justice. What happened yesterday, the referral of Donald Trump for criminal charges to the DOJ is unprecedented. I know that word is used a lot, but it is. It's historical. It's never happened before. And given the circumstances of all this and all the things they're going to do to protect this country from this sort of thing, it may never happen again. Let's hope that's the case. When our grandkids are learning history in school, they will hear about that hearing. They will hear about what was done because it was unprecedented. I mean, when I was in my mid-teens, we had the Watergate scandal, and it was huge. And it loomed over us for many, many years, and it became part of history. I mean, they did fucking movies about it and shit. Well, what happened here with Donald Trump and the Trumplifox is like Watergate times 100. Much bigger, much more dangerous, much more problematic for this country. So this is going to weigh pretty heavy, not only on the DOJ, but in history in this country. And hopefully by this being in our history, it will allow us to avoid it in the future. As we get closer to 2028, when we've got the millennials and the Gen Zs taking over, being the majority of the people that will be voting in elections, there will be a lot of changes. The Republicans in their current state will cease to exist. They won't accept it. They won't vote for them, and they will fade away. They will either have to die or change their position. At this point, there doesn't seem to be any desire to change their position. Uh, 
So they're going to have to fuck around and find out. They'll go through the 2024 election. They'll get their ass whipped. And maybe after that point, they will decide, yeah, maybe we should change it up. See, the interesting thing is, is that everybody wants to support Donald Trump. They feel like it's going to get them votes and make them money. But the fact of the matter is Donald Trump only won one election. That was 2016. He didn't win in 2018. The Democrats won. He certainly didn't win in 2020. He lost by 7 million votes. And the Democrats took the House and the Senate. He didn't win there. 2022, the midterms didn't go anything like anybody thought. There was no red wave, and the Republicans were embarrassed. Again, thanks to Donald Trump. How many times does a guy have to fuck up before you step away from him? That's where the whole cult thing comes into play. It doesn't matter if he's wrong. It doesn't matter if he's failing. They're so invested in Donald Trump that they will live and die by Donald Trump. Well, that group of people is starting to diminish. It's starting to get smaller. The people that went along with him just because they were Republicans and because they thought it would help them win, they see the writing on the wall. They see that Donald Trump is no longer the way. He is a liability, not an asset. So Donald Trump will fade. And that's part of the reason why, after the hearing today, when he was criminally referred to the DOJ, you didn't hear shit about the Republicans. What's going to happen with the trump they are going to step away from Donald Trump because he is a failure. He's been a failure all his life. But they are going to still embrace Trumpism, the things that they touted during the time Trump was in an office and uh, the last two years since he's been out of office. They're under the mistaken perception that Donald Trump is the problem but white supremacy, misogyny, anti-Semitism, overturning elections, cheating and stealing is still the way to go. What they don't understand is that that's part of the reason why they lost the midterms too. It takes a while for these motherfuckers to learn anything. They just don't have a sense of what they're doing. They certainly have no policies or, or platforms to work on. Now, speaking to reporters after the final meeting of the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack, Representative Jamie Raskin explained that there may have only been the referral's name specifically, but there were plenty of names and evidence that will be handed over to the Justice Department that could be used for additional prosecutions. The publication Ross Ross Story asked, Raskin about the officers that have continued to be in the committee room as observed the evidence presented against Donald Trump and others who aided their attacks against them. Raskin agreed that those men deserve justice for what they experienced beyond just the attackers themselves, but those who promoted the attack. We've got to address the masterminds, if you will. The people, it's not just the people who committed this, 
this insurrection. It's the people who planned and strategized this insurrection, and they will get their due. John Eastman is apparently the architect of this whole situation, but there are other people. There are those sitting members of Congress. Raskin says America wants to see accountability for those in individual cases that committed crimes. I think our job at this point as members of Congress is we take collective accountability for making the legislative changes to make sure nothing like this ever happens again. So we've got to insulate our institutions at every level against coups, insurrections, and the like against political sabotage and violence. He said incitement seems like a clear, a clear crime, but Trump also assisted the insurrectionists by promoting it during the attack. It is the other possible charge that Trump could be linked to. The third charge is giving aid and comfort to insurrectionists, and the fourth is obstruction. Only one of those could show that Trump violated that law that would bar him from running for office again. Those are specific name referrals we are emphasizing, but there are other names in our report. And we hope if the Department of Justice assembles sufficient quantum of evidence to think that they have committed a crime, that they would be charged and prosecuted as well. But we took care to focus on those actors who we felt were culpable in the episode and whose offenses were so grave that we couldn't remain silent about it. Now, you remember before the January 6th hearing, as they were preparing for it, there was uh, kind of a dust-up amongst the January 6th committee. Liz Cheney wanted to focus on Donald Trump. Some of the people on the January 6th committee wanted to open it up and make it a wider thing. Well, clearly, after seeing the January 6th meeting, Liz Cheney won. And I think she's on the right track. I mean, they only have so much time, and they have tons and tons of evidence and depositions. They have to focus on the top, assuming that the DOJ will follow it down all the way to the bottom. I mean, they have to. They'll have to talk to those people underneath Donald Trump, the members of Congress. Some of these people are going to want to flip to save their asses. So if you're worried about justice and if you're worried about people being held accountable, don't. That's going to happen. I'm still seeing these people coming to my page saying, oh, nothing's going to ever happen to Trump. What about uh, Biden's laptop? Fuck you. You just sound stupid now. As I said, people are in need of immediate gratification. I'm sorry if that's what you want. In this situation, you're not going to get it. The process has to be carried through. It has to be done properly. It has to be done methodically. And Merrick Garland is the right person to do that. We may not like it. We may want to see the immediate gratification of Donald Trump in jail, but it's not going to go down that way. It cannot go down that way. So stop it. Stop it. Just be patient. I mean, it's like when I hear these people saying this, it's like spoiled kids wanting what they want now. Well, that's well and good. It's like kids in a car saying, are we there yet? 
Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Just fucking relax. Read a book. Look at your iPad. Do something. Keep yourself occupied, but be patient. That's one of the things this country lacks is patience. I was talking to one of my kids one time. We were talking about problems, how you deal with problems. Most people, when they're confronted with a problem, they get nervous, they get anxious, and they try to do everything they can to fix that problem. And because they're acting out of emotions and just reacting, they typically fuck up. What you need to do is train yourself to slow everything down. You ever heard that story about baseball players who do a great job hitting the ball? They'll say, everything seems to slow down and it's so much easier to hit. That is a talent that baseball players have. Some do. And this is a, I don't know if I'd call it a talent, but it's something we have to train ourselves to do. Sit back and be patient. Don't make a decision until you have to, until you've given it proper thought. And in terms of the J6 committee and the DOJ and the accountability for all the people that were involved in the insurrection, you got to slow it down and be patient. Wait for it all to happen so it happens the proper way as opposed to some haphazard, reactionary, emotional fucking thing. Most of us want to see that. We want to see the fast response, but it's not going to happen. So quit whining about it. Just sit back, be adults, be patient, and wait for it to happen. Because trust me, it's going to happen. They have to indict Donald Trump. They have to indict John Eastman. The evidence will be there for everyone to see. The DOJ has little, if any, choice in the matter. They have to. As much as they worry about indicting a former president and the problems that might pose, the problems that will occur by not indicting him are far far more problematic. So just fucking relax. It's going to happen. It'll happen in its own time. And whether you like it or not makes no difference. It has to be done right. It will be done right. And trust me, there will be accountability. People will be held responsible. And yes, even Donald Trump will be held accountable. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Now, in addition to the criminal referrals, the January 6th committee made some other referrals. They're called ethics referrals. These are different than the referrals to the DOJ. These are referrals to the Ethics Committee in the House of Representatives. Now, I talked about it a little bit in one of the TikToks I did, and I was wrong, actually, and I'm glad I was wrong. I'm glad I found out I was wrong. I was presuming with the Ethics Committee that... uh, It would kind of all get swept under the rug because, of course, the Republicans are taking over the House on January 3rd. 
But realistically, what happens with the Ethics Committee, it's always an equal split between Democrats and Republicans, regardless of who holds power. So it will have a little more teeth than I initially thought. So the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack has referred House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy and three other Republican members of Congress to the House Ethics Committees for sanctions Monday after they refused to comply with the committee's subpoenas. Now remember, as I said, the criminal referrals said Donald Trump, John Eastman, and others. And they also said they didn't list the others because they didn't have the opportunity to speak to those folks. That's not saying there isn't evidence that they committed crimes. So, others might include the four that I'm going to explain to you here, but it's not limited to those four. The panel sought testimony from McCarthy, a key ally, of course, of Donald Trump, who held multiple conversations with him during and after the January 6th insurrection. The panel also wanted to hear from several GOP lawmakers who were involved in efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election, including Jim Jordan, Scott Perry, Andy Biggs, and Mo Brooks. That said, Mo Brooks is retiring and was not referred to the Ethics Committee, although he would have been if he was going to continue in his job as a representative. The January 6th committee said the lawmaker's refusal to comply with the subpoenas reflects discredit on Congress. Now, if left unpunished, such behavior undermines Congress's longstanding power to investigate in support of its lawmaking authority and suggests that members of Congress may disregard legal obligations that apply to ordinary citizens. The panel said in a document released Monday that also handed down criminal referrals, as I mentioned. Now, this is something that may bite the Republicans in the ass. They want to have all these investigations into the Democrats. They're all bullshit investigations, and it's a mistake for the Republicans to do this. But since they've already set the standard that subpoenas don't matter, then why in the world would the Democrat comply with a subpoena they might send out? The referral of the four Republican members is largely symbolic. The House Ethics Committee consists of an equal number of Democrats and Republicans, and the GOP members on the panel are likely to agree to investigate their own. They aren't likely to investigate their own members over the matter, particularly McCarthy, should he end up being Speaker of the House. Now, but he was right there in the mix with the stop the steal shit, so he should be reprimanded. or somehow made accountable for his actions in the January 6th committee. He might have something happen to him in the ethics committee, only because there's a lot of diversity, or not diversity, divisiveness in the Republican Party. And there may be some Republicans on that ethics committee would like to take it to Kevin McCarthy. So we don't know exactly what will happen, but again, Don't worry about the ethics referral. That's pretty minor, even if they are held accountable on that level. 
because all of these people will show up in the evidence that's going to the DOJ, and that's where the real problem for them is, potential criminal indictments, and that's certainly there. Now, in addition to Kevin McCarthy possibly being the Speaker of the House, Jim Jordan is set to lead the GOP investigations into Biden administration as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee next year. Here's one of the biggest fucking criminals in Congress, and you're going to make him chairman of the House Judiciary Committee next year. Well, that will be a shit show. You will likely rely on the same power that that of the congressional subpoena that he has so far resisted from the January 6th committee. See, there you go. He wants to investigate Biden, Hunter, whoever the fuck he wants to investigate, and he's going to send out subpoenas. Now, if people don't comply with those subpoenas, what, he's, what is he going to do? He's going to cry and whine and squeal like a stuck pig. But it's pretty ridiculous when he himself is unwilling to comply with a subpoena. That's who these Republicans are. They're a fucking joke. They're an absolute joke. And the Judiciary Committee, led by Jim Jordan, if that's how it shakes out, is going to be absolutely a joke for two years minimum. Now, there's also Scott Perry. He was deeply involved in Trump's attempt to overturn the election, connecting the former president with a Justice Department lawyer who supported Trump's efforts. He later sought a presidential pardon just before Trump left office. Now, you remember Scott Perry. Scott Perry is the guy that connected Donald Trump to Jeffrey Clark. Jeffrey Clark was the under attorney general, a deputy attorney general or something, not having anything to do uh, other than, I don't know if it was ecology or whatever the fuck it was. But he had come up with the idea of sending letters off to uh, various swing state secretaries of state saying, oh, there's all kinds of fraud. You got to stop counting. He took it up the chain to the attorney general. The attorney general, Rosen at the time, said, that's bullshit. We're not doing that. Fuck you. And that's when Scott Perry and Donald Trump came up with the idea, well, we'll just fire Rosen and make Jeffrey Clark the attorney general, which is, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And everybody on Donald Trump's staff knew that, including his attorneys. And they said, if you do that, Donnie, we all going to quit. And so Donnie decided to uh, take a pass on that, thankfully, not only for him, but for this country. Andy Biggs, who is running a bid aimed at denying McCarthy the speakership next year, also sought a presidential pardon after he took part in the plot to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Now, during its final hearing on Monday, the January 6th committee laid out four criminal charges, as I mentioned. It recommends the Department of Justice levy against Trump, obstructing an official proceeding, conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to make false statements, and inciting an insurrection against the United States. And again, they made these ethics referrals that probably won't amount to much. But that doesn't mean that these four, five, and anybody else that was involved that will be 
exposed in the evidence that is coming out, that doesn't mean they're off the hook. They are not off the hook. Just because the January 6th committee didn't refer them criminally doesn't mean they aren't going to get criminally indicted. In fact, there's a likelihood that they will get criminally indicted. Now, they refused to talk to the January 6th committee, and that's where the problem was for the J6 committee to to refer them criminally. Now, they aren't going to have that option when it comes to the DOJ. As I talked about earlier in the program, they're going to go and they're going to say, you're going to testify, and they're going to say, no, I don't. Okay, then you're going to fucking jail. And guess what? They will fucking testify. Now, I was talking about this early in the in the podcast, and where I got it from was something I saw on MSNBC with uh, Claire McCaskill. She's the one that stated this and gave me this to think about. She noted that many Republicans don't seem interested in defending Donald Trump after he received a criminal referral. And I think that's strange after this guy being their Lord and Savior for six years. And now they don't say a word. Over the six years, he's been the head of the party. GOP lawmakers have grown familiar with defending Donald Trump no matter what. The former president, though, has been slowly losing popularity, as we know. During her spot on MSNBC, McCaskill was asked why we were hearing so little from Republicans after Trump was referred. And this is what she said. We have not really had any real-time pushback this afternoon. This was yesterday. You know, it's interesting to me that the Republicans didn't have a war room pushing out, you know, things to try to counter this powerful story that was echoing through the halls of Congress this afternoon. And that's true when you think about it. Normally, they would get together and have uh, messaging to combat what was coming out of the J6 committee. They didn't do that. I have to wonder if the Republicans aren't just lazy. I mean, they could have been part of the J6 committee, too, but they chose not to do it. So the J6 committee comes out and does what they do and makes the criminal referrals, and they choose to ignore it. I think they think that if they ignore it, then it doesn't exist. Well, we know how that worked out with COVID. You'd think they'd learn a lesson, but apparently they don't. The former Missouri senator continued, but if you look at the Twitter accounts of the Republican leaders, all they're talking about today and all the right-wing media is talking about is probably just Hunter Biden's laptop. No one is stepping up to defend Donald Trump in light of this powerful, powerful report that came out. You know, it's interesting when she says that I was watching the hearing or the meeting, whatever they call it. And I was watching the analysis after on, I think it was MSNBC, just to get a feel for what the common thought was about what happened. And my wife came home and she said, we should watch Fox. I said, no fucking way. I'm not watching Fox. She said, no, let's see what they're talking about now. This is the biggest story out there. Let's see what Fox is talking about. So we turned on Fox, much to my chagrin, and what do we see? 
All they were talking about the horrors at the border. And they were hyping it up. They weren't making any comments at all about the J6 meeting and the criminal referrals. Again, their strategy is just to ignore it. And if they ignore it, then it just doesn't exist. But again, Fox News is the same when it came to COVID. They chose to ignore it, thought it would go away. But then a million people die. It's truly amazing to me about Republicans, how they can fuck up and fuck up and they never learn a lesson, ever learn a lesson. Now, Claire McCaskill closed out by saying, now they're going to investigate the security around the Capitol. Okay, great. So what? Are you going to investigate my private security around my home if it gets burglarized? What about the burglar? And that's really all they've got. And that tells you a lot about these political leaders, who they are and want to go get as far away from this as they possibly can. And maybe they're no longer interested in defending Donald Trump. And I think that's true. As I've said before, Donald Trump is no longer uh, an asset. He can't help them in any way. He hasn't lost. He hasn't won an election since 2016. It's surprising to me it's taken this long for them to fucking realize it. The Republicans are really in disarray. They have problems in the House of Representatives. They can't get anybody to get 218 votes to pick a Speaker of the House, which is going to be a huge embarrassment to them unless they figure out a way to punch Kevin McCarthy through. But if they do, Kevin McCarthy is going to have to give up a lot. And it's not going to bode well for him. And then you have all this evidence that's going to come to light. What came out in the, in the meeting on, on Monday was damning. But it is nothing compared to what's going to happen when the evidence is released. Because it's not just going to come from the J6 committee. It's going to come from every media outlet, every social media platform, every fucking blogger. All of us will know what's going on, and we will report on it. As I told Tony Michaels, it's going to be a wondrous thing when these documents and tapes are out there and available to everybody, people like me and like him that have a podcast. We will have material to work off of every day forever. There's hundreds of thousands of documents and evidence All we have to do is go pick out a couple, and there's a fucking show. I can't fucking wait. The Republicans are in a bad position right now, and I don't see any way out for them. They're going to have to take their whooping and then try to regroup. That's all they can really do at this point. Talking about whoopings, (laughs) you remember the Oath Keepers trial where two of them, the leader and his second-in-command, were charged and convicted of seditious conspiracy, which is a big deal. If these folks were found guilty of seditious conspiracy, that would suggest other people that are connected to them, like sitting members of Congress, like Ginny Thomas, like Donald Trump, for that fucking matter. Well, there's another seditious conspiracy case that's coming up right now. Yesterday, they spent the day picking out the jurors. 
The trial for former Proud Boys national chairman Enrique Tarrio and four others charged with seditious conspiracy in the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6 began with the jury selection yesterday. Now, you'll remember Enrique Tarrio wasn't even at the Capitol on January 6, but he's in the thick of it because he was part of the group that planned it. Well, if he's under um, or being prosecuted for seditious conspiracy, and he wasn't even at the Capitol, he's there about the planning and the strategizing. He had to be working with somebody, and we know he's pretty close to Roger Stone, Jenny Thomas, and some of those members of Congress. You see how this all ties together? It's going to unravel, and a lot of people are going to get caught up in the mix. U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly denied defense attorneys' last-minute attempt to delay the trial over Monday's final meeting by the January 6th House Select Committee, which started hours after the trial began and promised to remind potential jurors to avoid any media coverage of the committee's broadcasts or rulings. Do you think they did? I doubt it. The judge went on to individually question 17 prospective jurors, dismissing some of them based on concerns about their impartiality. Now, the very first potential juror said he once worked as an aide in the Supreme Court and has a brother who is a White House lawyer. Another man expressed fears about his family's safety if he was picked. Both were immediately dismissed. Now, of course, Enrique Tarrio is one of the highest profile defendants to face the jurors yet in the attack on the Capitol. His defense attorney argued that he wouldn't be able to get a fair trial in D.C. even though Tario wasn't present at the Capitol on January 6 because he had been arrested two days earlier on charges that he vandalized a Black Lives Matter banner at a historic black church during a protest in December of 2020. This is going to be interesting, to say the least. And it's not going to help the Republicans. It's not going to help Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, John Eastman. If we get some more convictions of seditious conspiracy, that's not going to bode well for those folks. Because we know they were tied to them one way or another. They had communications with them. And if it's a conspiracy, it has to involve other people. And who would those other people be? People in the White House, people like Roger Stone or Ginny Thomas. This will all come out in the wash. Trust me on that. It will all come out in the wash. Now, with all the talk of the J6 meeting yesterday, I think a lot of us forgot about another meeting that's happening today. A very crucial meeting that's happening today. The House Ways and Means Committee are meeting behind closed door Tuesday on former President Donald Trump's tax returns. Remember that? The House Ways and Means Committee has spent three years trying to get these taxes. They finally got them, but they're just two weeks away from the Republicans taking over. And if the Republicans take over, they will quash these tax returns and sweep them under the rug, never to be seen again. So do you think 
the Democrats on the House Ways and Means Committee are going to go through all of that just to let it be set aside. Chairman Richard E. Neal's staff provided notice of the meeting Friday, which will be held in the panel's hearing room at 3 p.m. on December 20th to review documents protected under Internal Revenue Code Section 6103, the authority used to obtain the tax records. The start of the meeting will be open to the public, an aide said, after which panel members will go into a closed session. Citing legal counsel, Neil from Massachusetts has stayed largely mum on his plans for handling the documents since the Supreme Court paved the way for the Ways and Means Committee to access six years of Trump's tax returns after a multi-year legal battle. He hasn't said whether he will make the information public at any point. But what other choice does he have? He spent all this time getting them. He feels that they're important, and I think they are important. This is going to reveal a lot of things. It's going to reveal where Donald Trump gets his money from. Now, you might ask, what does that matter? Well, if he was making money from all his properties and his golf clubs, that's fine. There's no doubt some criminal activity over involved in this, and the IRS will probably be very interested in that. But there's a good reason to think that Donald Trump is getting money from other places, like adversarial or enemy countries, like, say, Russia. We know he's getting money from Russia because Eric Trump said that at one point prior to him being elected to the presidency. Now, Donald Trump will tell you, we don't get any money from Russia, but I beg to differ. And we've talked about that a number of times. So we need to know this. If Donald Trump was obliged or beholden to adversarial or enemy countries, That puts us in a bad situation and might explain why he stole top-secret documents, I'm just saying. Time is short for Neil to use his gavel to address the issue, which he's emphasized in an effort to review the IRS auditing process for presidents and vice presidents, tax filings before Republicans take control of the House. See, that's the premise for which they got these documents, these taxes. They want to see the audit process from the IRS to see if they're doing it right. But they also want to see um, where Donald Trump gets his money because it's absolutely crucial. While the GOP opposes the effort, Ways and Means Republicans requested and were granted access to Trump tax filings. Neal allowed Republicans to identify staff to view the documents. The panel's top GOP member, Kevin Brady, of Texas, told reporters this week. Brady said Republicans made the ask in an effort to set precedent for those sorts of investigations in the future, meaning they'd like to do it to Democrats too, which makes no sense because, of course, Joe Biden and every other Democratic president has always shown his taxes. So I don't know why they need to do it for that reason. More than likely, they want to see what's in those taxes so they can try to spin it or divert or distract from it. 
He added that the GOP believes access to Trump's tax returns will end when the new Congress convenes on January 3rd and that they are preparing for the likelihood the committee is not yet formed at that time. Republicans aren't expected to tap a new chairman or select up to 10 new members to fill open committee seats until after the speaker's race is decided. And who knows how long that could go. I'm going to continue as I have to follow the law, but to see this through, Neil said Thursday, I have made that clear. Now, this is why I think that they've got to release it to the public. They've got to make some hay when it comes to these tax documents. And if you leave it to the Republicans, well, it's just not going to get done. They're going to fucking cover it up, sweep it under the rug, and we'll never know anything. And that would be a huge embarrassment for the Democrats and potentially dangerous for our country. All right, we're going to uh, wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast in a minute or so. But I wanted to give you this last story, kind of a happy story. It makes me smile anyway. Houston Judge Christopher M. Lopez reportedly ended a stay preventing Sandy Hook families from collecting a $1.5 billion judgment against conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Remember, Alex, tough guy, he doesn't even go to trial. He loses by default. He's on the hook for $1.5 billion. He says, don't worry about it. I'll file bankruptcy and they won't be able to touch me. Well, that didn't age well because, as I say, Christopher M. Lopez, the Houston judge, has ended a stay preventing Sandy Hook families from collecting money from Alex Jones. Now, in a ruling on Monday, Lopez granted an order to lift a stay that was automatically put in place when Jones filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protections. The judge set the order immediately to allow the Sandy Hook Post trial families' cases to continue to proceed to entry of final judgment, and once judgments are entered, to allow appeals, if any, to proceed and the Sandy Hook Post trial families to pursue, respond to, and participate in any such appeals without further order of the court. News 12's a local news channel in Houston. John Craven reported that the families of Sandy Hook victims agreed to postpone collection of the massive debt for now. Alex Jones thinks he's going to slip out of this. He thinks he's going to be able to run out the clock a la Donald Trump, and he's not going to be able to do it. He is going to pay a steep price. He's not going to pay $1.5 billion because he doesn't have $1.5 billion. But what this will probably do is suck up every bit of money he earns for the rest of his life. They'll never get to the $1.5 billion, but they'll get some money. And we know that now Alex Jones is being looked at because apparently he's moving some money around to family members. Well, that is highly illegal. And he now not only has the problem of being broke because he's being sued to death financially, now they're going to look at some possible criminal activity by moving and trying to hide his money which is what he's trying to do. Clearly, he's not too good at it because he got caught. So 
The good news is that Alex Jones is still on the hook for Sandy Hook. He will continue to be on the hook for Sandy Hook. And just as a cherry on top, he's probably going to fucking jail too. So that's good news. I got one more story. I got to throw this one out there. Apparently, there's a little cat fight going on amongst Republican women. Was that sexist? I don't mean it to be sexist, but I hate these fuckers, so what the hell? Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene fired back at Representative Lauren Boebert, two of the dumbest people in Congress. She did this on Monday after the latter took a shot at Greene over her support of Kevin McCarthy as the next House Speaker. Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, wants Kevin McCarthy to be Speaker because she feels like she can control him. Green and Boebert were elected to Congress in 2020 and have well-earned reputations as controversial firebrands. That's too nice. They're both a couple of dumb bitches is what they are. I'm I'm sorry, they they are. During appearance at a Turning Point USA event, Charlie Kirk spoke with Boebert and Representative Matt Gates about Green's support for McCarthy. Marjorie Taylor Greene, someone who we all respect, says Kevin McCarthy is going to be a great speaker, Kirk said. I guess you'll have to ask Marjorie about that, replied Gates, who has done several events with Green. I'm a fan of hers. I'm an admirer, but it's not something we see the same on. And this goes to what I've said about the Republicans. They can't come together on anything. Bobert was less diplomatic. Oh, big surprise. And reference comments Green made about the possible cause of wildfires in California. Oh, she went there. I've been aligned with Marjorie and accused of believing a lot of things that she believes in. I don't believe in this, just like I don't believe in Russian space lasers, Jewish space lasers, and all of this. Ah, So these people are going at each other pretty, pretty good. Before she was a member of Congress, Green suggested in a 2018 Facebook post that the fires may have been caused by lasers shot from space. She further floated the idea that the Rothschilds, a Jewish wealthy banking family, might be behind the scheme. A laser beam or a light beam coming down to earth, I guess, Green wrote. Could that cause a fire? Hmm, I wonder. I don't know. I hope not. That wouldn't look so good for Pacific Gas and Electric, Rothschild Incorporated, Solarin or Jerry Brown, who sure does seem fond of PG&E. Oh, I love a good conspiracy theory, especially when it's coming out of the mouth of somebody so fucking stupid. Absolutely ignorant. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. Again, we should have a show coming up later today with Ed, and then, of course, tomorrow, a regular show. So we're going to stay on top of it for you and let you know what you can expect. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again later on. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.